we were taught some greeting. I don't know if it's in Arabic. Assalamu alaikum. What? Assalamu alaikum. Walamatulilai wabarakatu. Yeah, okay, now please respond to me. Assalamu alaikum. Walhamatulilai wabarakatu. Okay, good morning. <laughs> Our God is good. <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, another opportunity again. Allow me to begin this way. According to the Bible, God teaches. Okay. When you read Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 4, the word of God says, in the fullness of time. By the way, for your information, our God keeps time. And for that reason, he has not delayed his coming. He's still keeping time. And when the fullness of time shall come, he will truly come. However, as um, we learned yesterday, as I make this statement, that uh, <clears throat> the opportunity of uh, a lifetime should be seized during the lifetime of the opportunity. And I want you to listen carefully. The opportunity of a lifetime should be seized during the lifetime of the opportunity. You interact with uh, the speakers of prophecy or Bible prophecy that will tell you, I'm simply talking about probation. We won't be here forever. And that is a sad truth. This is a preparatory ground for us to experience the riches of glory prepared for God's people in the kingdom which is coming. And so the burden of our study this morning, there's a quotation I shared with us yesterday about um, that Jesus <coughs> sees the end from the beginning. And if we begin with the end in mind, it is a very good reminder that we are putting our energy and efforts on priorities which are right when we begin with the end in mind. So as you transact and carry out your businesses in this compound, I could like to encourage you to do it, uh, to do it with the end in mind that we won't be here forever. The same thing applies. Those who came in 2017, you're almost getting out. So these opportunities which the Lord has presented before you and may the opportunity be used by you for God's glory and for the blessings of our fellow men. Amen. 
the opportunity could be in class, it could be here in church, many avenues which God has in store for you. So I want to invite you uh, in a very special way as we look at God's word that we may discover his plan for our lives and align our will with his. Only then can we be, as I said in the first day, relevant in the world today because the presence of the Lord is with us. Let us pray even as we read his word. Father in heaven, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for this camp meeting. Thank you for your children and thank you for your word. Even as we read, the oh Lord, we pray that you will guide us. And Lord, as you've enabled me to stand before your children, we humbly ask that your message will come to each and every one of us and that your will may be done in this place as it's in heaven. Now preside over this session till the end in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, yesterday, <coughs> I did mention about principles, but before I get to that point, allow me to uh, share something that uh, in this ministry, and because we are talking to university students, just like a team that has 12 uh, players, such is the case when you read about spiritual gifts in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, you will find that others were given to be pastors, others to be teachers, others evangelists. The reason why God designed it to be so, it's not for, allow me to use this word so that we can get the right um, intention and God's idea in this plan. It is not uh, per se to have a competition of ministries in God's church but rather, they, I don't know if they complement or supplement. Give me the right word. Which one should I use to complement each other? By the way, I was talking to my elder Kevin here that when you, the eyes can never be the mouth and the mouth can never be the eyes. But when food is seen, it must be chewed. I know you missed that point. <laughs> So each and every aspect of us, it's very, very important. And I want to encourage you to take the ministries coming to us with a lot of seriousness as the Lord speaks to you. I know as the presentations are ongoing, God is speaking to someone. God is calling you. Allow me to use this illustration. I love talking about evangelism and God's design and plan on how it is to be accomplished because that is where the heart of the church is. One of my favorite writers says, a church which does not save the lost, that church itself is lost. You've read the book of Luke chapter 15, the two sons. One was lost far away from home and yet the other one was lost within. I want you to be careful that we do not uh, fall a victim of the representation of the lost sons. However, no wonder we talk about the amazing grace. That writer of the song, for those who have no idea, 
as we proceed, he was actually a captain of a slave ship from the West Africa to, uh, to the United States of America. And he heard as the slaves were, you know, crying because of suffering, because of the challenges they were facing. And when he got there, that cry was recorded in the subconscious mind. And so he kept on hearing that cry and he wrote the words of the song, Amazing Grace. Those people longed to be set free. And so this gentleman wrote that song and dedicated it to the slaves. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. I was once lost, but now, finish that for me, I am found. And it's my prayer that as we listen to these presentations, we shall be found. And actually, we shall find the Lord's presence. Now, God's plan and God's intention, it's actually amazing. <clears throat> and I said yesterday, principles make life easier. That is why we, God is using um, sinners in, in his plan he could not use angels to come and evangelize. He said, as Jesus assumed humanity, the same way God designed that man. Can someone read first Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9? I want us to understand the mission of the church, God's idea, and as one of my favorite writers say, Christ's method alone can give us success in this work. Any other plan or method is but sinking sand. So I invite you, uh, shortly we shall get to find out or discover what God's plan and how he will do it because prophecy speakers will tell us, surely the Lord does nothing unless he reveals it to his servants. So our God is good. He has revealed his plan, his intention, his idea, his mission, his will, and so it is up to us to search for it, to understand it, and to align our will with his plan. As I told you yesterday, brothers and sisters, we haven't been called to be successful. The Bible, it talks about faithfulness, and when you focus on faithfulness, the God himself who is faithful will make you successful the same way he did to Joseph. So the Bible has very interesting messages. It's actually one message written in 66 different ways. And I pray that today, the simplest way possible, we shall be able to find out what's God's idea and ideal for the church and why we are seated here at this moment. Can someone read, please? First Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9. What does the word of God say? Thank you. We are laborers together with God. So that is very, very uh, powerful, you know, point Paul says. When you read from the same, same book from verse 1, Paul is saying, who is Apollos? And who is Paul? Uh, uh, he said, one plants and one waters. By the way, there is no useless person in the presence of God. All of us have been purchased 
by the precious blood of the Lamb which was shed at Calvary. Amen. No wonder my favorite writer in the book, Desire of Ages, page 668, she says, The Lord is disappointed when his people place a low estimate upon themselves. He has a use for them, or else he could not have sent his only begotten son to such an expensive errand to redeem them. He wants them to make the very highest demands so that they may glorify his name. Then she finishes by saying they may expect large things if they have faith in his promises. And you know, faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. As we read and start from history, we will have our faith developed. And you know, faith is a gift which comes from God. And so we receive it. And as Paul said, the just shall live by faith. I mean, we have that experience. We have that relationship. As I'm going to read a statement here so that we can understand. Today, I'm furthering our discussion. I'm not going to talk about principles anymore, but I will further, I could like to further this discussion so that we talk about the reason as to why or we look at the design which God uh, placed uh, beforehand for the advancement of his work. And that is why Jesus, when you read, we read this in first day in the book of Mark. I could like someone to get there very quickly and help us read. Please read your Bibles. And as I, I, I usually tell my friends, the Bible is Jesus in written form. So if you forget it in the house, it means that you physically forgot him. However, because he's gracious and merciful, uh, use that which is available. But I recommend to you to always carry God's word with you when you're coming to a prayer meeting. There is power when you read God's word. Now, can we read, please? Uh, which book did I say, by the way? Uh, the book of Mark. We shall read chapter 3 and verse 14. Please read. And you then dwell that they should be with him. Thank you so much. I want you to move bit by bit. And Jesus ordained the twelve that they might be with him. And I spoke about this in the first day, and I felt I was too much. Uh, I spoke it in a rush. That is why I have come back to it, so that you understand this. And I think this is the heart of the church, and if this is clearly understood, then our presence in the world is going to be relevant, and we shall be useful for God's glory, as he will delight to use us uh, to bless our brothers and sisters across the globe. And so our calling, and it's actually divine. It is not man's invention that we are here. It is God's plan. We see the design that Jesus uses, all the modality, all the methodology, the method that Jesus used and by the way, you will agree with me, he was not interested in attracting the crowds. I don't know if you are still following or you're together with me. Are you still around, brothers and sisters? Jesus was not interested in attracting the crowd. Hmm. No wonder he chose and ordained the 12. Primarily, the Bible has an answer. And I want to share something 
But since this is not prophecy, we are not talking about symbols. I want you to take the Bible literal as we read it, especially for these texts. Jesus chose the 12 apostles or disciples primarily that they might be with him. Why do you think that was the case? Let me get a microphone across the congregation so that we can uh, engage each other on this. Why do you think he wanted or they might be with him? Why? Can I have someone to respond to that? Our peer team, please uh, help us get to, or I will choose like the other day. <coughs> the brother here inspects at the front. Why do you think Jesus chose the, are you appointing that we get someone from there to speak? Now, please, we begin with you now if you want mine. <laughs> okay. Why do you think he chose the, he, he said that they might be with him. Why, why is that important? How do you get the statement? May I hear from you, brother, kindly, if you won't mind. There's no wrong answer here. We are sharing. We are learning. Why did he uh, do like that? Why, why? Please. But we, okay, allow me to ask you a very simple question. We read from which book? Mark. Chapter? Three. And verse? Fourteen. Okay. It says, and he ordained the twelve that they might be with him. Why? So that they could help him spread the word of God. Okay. Yeah. Someone else? A sister wearing a black, it's a blue, with black stripes, uh, seated the third, one, two, three, around fourth. One, two, three, four. Yes. From my far left. Yeah, it's you. Why? Yes, it's you. Uh, yes, it's you. Good. With a black mask. Yes, it's you. Let us save on time. Uh, let's save on time. Uh, why? Yes. Ah, okay. The answer is just written there. Please read for us the answer. You are a very good student. God bless you. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Okay. May I hear someone else? What happened to the microphone? Okay. So that means we will utilize the people seated in the first and the front row because it means the waves at the back, they, they don't reach at the back. Let me hear from this side. Uh, my sister in a, a white and with black stripes, the only one seated to the far right. Please. <laughs> Why? Then you will pass it to a brother wearing a gray, is that gray? A gray t-shirt with some red collar in a blue mask. We want to hear from them very quickly. Yes? Oh, okay. Please answer this question. We read from which book? That one is enough. Uh -huh. We read from which book? He's not around. Ah, you've just arrived. Yes. Okay. Your neighbor was there already when we were reading the book. 
The gentleman in a purple shirt seems to have come to help you. Please give him the microphone. We read from which book? I, I notice preachers now notice here, my pastors. Please don't be in a hurry reading those very many verses because what we to watabaki nyuma. Watch a tutu some ata moja, kiramutu a shikeyo, and we will pray and I will end my study. That one, it's enough. You see, uh, there is a song which says, Little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There is a crown that lies in waiting, and you can win it in Jesus' name. Amen? So little is much. Little is much when God is in it. Brother, we read from which book? Yes, we read from which book? The microphone is refusing. Or they are holding in such a manner that the waves are not getting there. You know, students are very keen and they don't want to answer. <laughs> okay. Uh -huh. We read from the book of Mark 3.14. Please read it. Do you have it in your... Yes. That is an e-Bible. Okay. Uh -huh. He appointed 12. Yes. That they might be with him. Okay. What does that mean? The question is, how do we mean when we say that they might be with him? Do you find, okay, let me simplify the question. It seems so hard. Do you find any other, do we have a, a reference in the Bible where God displays the same methodology? If you find it, I will pray for you. The only gift I have for you is a prayer. Any other passage, whether in the Old Testament, please, uh, there's a, a hand there. Okay, let's begin from the tent. Is it a sister inspects? Please stand very quickly so that we can uh, get these points home. Ah, okay. I never wanted you to speak, but just go on. Okay, fine. All right. <laughs> Please move closer. I think we will be. We'll, we shall need to move to the to the front so that the waves can reach to uh, the microphone. What does that mean? Uh huh. Yes. Let it be read. That's very powerful. Yeah. Let it be read. Yeah, you notice no, no text or scripture is independent. For those who are getting this for the first time, when we read the Bible, uh, don't use one text as an umbrella for what you think it may be true. You will be terribly wrong. We are trying to find out, is there any reference in the Bible where God displays such a methodology in his plan. And our sister is giving a very good suggestion. Check on your microphone as you advance to the front so that we can hear you, please. Okay, um, I'm trying to look for the verse, but... Exodus 25 and verse 8. Yeah, 25, 8. <coughs> mm. yeah, it says, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Uh, why, why is that important? Now, okay, let's read verse number 
Yeah, there's someone there. Oh, please move where our sister was standing so that we can save on the waves. Uh, we want to do it very quickly and so that I can simplify and summarize uh, the lesson for today. Please move closer. God bless those wonderful Bible students. Yes? So, uh, the first question about Mark chapter 3 verse 14. Yes. I think the answer is the first verse that you gave us, First Corinthians 3 verse 9, mm -hmm. that we are co-laborers mm -hmm. with God. Yes. So Christ appointed, ordained the twelve that they may labor with him mm. in the work of salvation. Okay. Another verse is in the book of John chapter 14. Please let's get there very quickly. Let's get there. We are having a Bible study. This is not a sermon. We are waiting for you to open the Bible. You said which book, sister? John chapter 14. Yes. Uh, one, two, three. Okay. It says, let not your heart be troubled. Mm. You believe in God, believe also in me. Mm. In my father's house are many mansions. Mm -hmm. And if it were not so, I will have told you I go to prepare a place for you. Mm. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. The last clause says that where I am, there ye may be with me. Also. Okay. Thank okay. You. So, if I got her right, um, she said that God, Jesus appointed the twelve that they might labor with him. But do you think is that equation complete? Is that equation complete? Like, have we been called to go? What do you think? Let me hear from you guys. The theme of the camp meeting says, ah, you forgot already. How does it say? The camp meeting theme. Here am I. Do what? What does that mean? Here am I. One word which begins, I need you to give me this word. It begins with A. It has some B, it has some L and E at the end. What have you done in simple terms? You've made yourself available. And you notice, um, so that we can have a complete equation. And that is why that text is very deep. Very, very deep. When God says that, when Jesus said that, uh, and, uh, as, as Mark the gospel according to Mark, he observed mm, that he appointed the 12. And I said this on the first day. Allow me to say it again. Primarily, primarily, that uh, they might be with him. Now the question is, why is that important? Secondly, how practical is that in our church in these last days? Because if there is a work to be done, you do not focus. You know, it is like dating. Mm, many people usually date for benefits. They know that they really love the person. Maybe because they need to be given some juice, some airtime. Mm, basically, we want to look at that text primarily. Why do you think he said, or it is written, 
that he chose the twelve that they might be with him. How significant is that to us today? What do we learn from that statement? Haven't you heard of men in the past, our patriarchs? No wonder. When it is written in the book of Matthew, want us to go there, that Enoch walked with God. How does that mean? Walking with God. Okay, I think the answer lies in this word W-I-T-H. That is where the answer is. That they might be with him. That is a part of its own independent from Genesis to Revelation. Very independent. And we are going to find out shortly in other texts, of course, from the, even the New uh, Old Testament. Enoch walked with God. With. How does that mean? I don't want to say, like Pastor said yesterday, that when you keep quiet, it means you failed your English. No, me, I'm not saying that. I'm only inviting us to look at that in the sense that uh, Pastor Fondo, if there is a segment which is almost forgotten in practicing biblical spirituality, please, I want you to listen carefully because I may not repeat what I'm saying again. In practicing biblical spirituality, you may give a powerful sermon. And by the way, you know sermons will only touch the heart. But there's something which is more important than that. When Jesus prayed in the book of John 17, can we learn there quickly? The book of John 17 and verse number 3. Jesus prays and he says, it's time for your son to be glorified. And verse 3 says, and this is eternal. And he says, verse 2, that he may give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And he defines eternal life. In other words, as pastor said here, the first day, there is a difference between school and school life. <laughs> and so, what Jesus is instituting in the book of Mark chapter 3 and verse 14 is a school where the disciples basically and primarily are to get the knowledge of God because that is the determinant if the mission will be successful or not. Unfortunately, in our times, we focus so much on going, and we have forgotten on the path of being. How many have gotten what pastor is trying to say? How many are trying to get something? Okay, let me say it again. Unfortunately, our emphasis, pastor, what are you trying to say? That we must not go out for evangelistic campaigns? No, that is not my point. The point I'm saying is this. Our God longs to commune with us. And that is why prayer as taught in scripture is very significant 
in practicing biblical spirituality. Basically, it's meant for us to commune with God. And secondly, for transformation. By the way, it is not true that you can pray and remain the same way you are. Ah, oh, you missed that. <laughs> we do not pray and remain the same. We witness that we are the present time pharaohs who have hardened their hearts. We blaspheme the word of God in the sense that we say your word is not powerful. I cannot be transformed. Now you notice what I, I shared yesterday, the challenge we have in our generation. It has to do with a lot of superficiality in the sense that the experience, that is the point I'm coming to now. What these disciples needed is an experience. In Hebrew, we are going to read, um, how many verses? Uh, okay, allow me to bring this word. Uh, it's very, very important. Y-A-D-A, yada, to know. It means to experience, to discover, to find out. So when the Bible says, when Jesus prays that this is eternal life, that they may know, they may yada. Y-A-D-A, they may know. That deep experience, in the sense that he has the greatest work, which is to be done, is not in saving others, but within. In fact, the pen of inspiration says, we have far more fears, or we have to be so much fearful from within than without. Because when within is really worked, you know what? Sending simplified as our sister spoke. It is written. Uh, you notice what happens in John chapter 12 and verse 20. There is a, a festivity in Jerusalem. And there are some Greeks who came to Philip and they said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. They came looking to see Jesus. No wonder the writer in the book, Ministry of Hearing, she says, the greatest need of the world is not to lower the fuel prices. It's not to provide so many employment opportunities to everyone who goes to university. <laughs> the greatest need of the world is what it needed 1900 years ago, and that is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Can somebody say amen? The greatest need in Egerton University. Egerton, is it Egerton or Egerton? Okay, just forgive me if I may pronounce it wrongly, but uh, I'm a visitor. Yeah, please spare visitors. Don't be so serious to visitors. So the greatest need in Egerton, it is not that comrades are always right. Have you heard that statement before? Are you familiar with it? No. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul asks a very good question in the book of Romans, chapter 10. How can people in this university call on God whom they have not heard? How can they hear unless 
there is a preacher. How can there be a preacher unless he is sent? So you notice, preaching comes secondary. And by the way, in the process of us being with Christ, when we cultivate these graces that we find in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, he will be revealed the greatest sermon ever preached. It is the sermon of a life so well lived. Paul said we become epistles. People are reading serious sermons in your life and in my life. I pray from morning to evening, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, four years in Egerton, people shall read Christ our righteousness. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away, who solves the problem in this globe. And so Jesus, in his design, he wanted to impart a knowledge, an experience. Haven't you read, brothers and sisters, in the book of Acts, when Peter and the other apostles are preaching, the rabbis marvel, but these men are not educated. How is it that they speak this in such a manner? Like that experience, they were able to see that truly these people have been with Jesus. So being with Jesus is the most important part of the Great Commission. Discipleship. The methodology he used. When you also read Deuteronomy chapter 7, we read that in verse 6 and 7, we saw the principle of peculiarity. God chose on us not because we are mighty, only he chose on them, the Israelites, not because they were more in number, but the fewest of all. You notice the same golden chain of truth runs throughout scripture. God says he chose the fewest. When you go to Mark 3.14, you see he chose 12. I shared something in the beginning that Jesus was not interested in attracting the crowd. Himself, he wanted to disciple and transform individuals. It was a personal, it was a personal level. And he demonstrates how he longs to abide, how he longs to experience. When we read uh, the book of uh, Exodus, I hope you are following me and you're reading there very quickly. I'm trying to uh, do it this way so that we can uh, come to the point I'm trying to share here. In the book of uh, chapter 3 of Exodus and verse 7, we read it in the first day. The God says, the Lord said, I have truly seen. I'm interested in the major verbs in that passage or text. I have seen, I have heard, and I know. It means our God experienced the suffering of his people. No wonder 
he sent a savior. Now you can trace the design which God used even as we see the incarnation of Christ in the New Testament. He says, I have seen, I have heard, and I know. Yada, that's very deep. He has experienced. And actually, that is what Isaiah the prophet, the preacher of righteousness, said in Isaiah 53, the servant of the Lord demonstrates the suffering servant. He was wounded for our transgressions. Mm. He was despised. He was rejected. And by his stripes, we are healed. What an experience. By the way, let me ask you, do you know when Isaiah got this experience? What was, what was the precursor to Isaiah being sent now to go and share the word of God? It was a crisis. And I believe in the last days, God still calls on you and he calls on me primarily that we may know him. When you read the book of um, Matthew chapter 7, when Jesus says, you will know them, not everyone will say, Lord, Lord, will get into the kingdom. What, what do you think will disqualify? And he said, you will know them. It's a in, very intensive uh, explanation of the word knowledge. You will know them by their fruits. He means to say they have not experienced the knowledge of God. And basically, so that I do not give you a number of tells, a knowledge of God does the following. Can we read Jeremiah chapter 9? In verse 23 and verse 24, the knowledge of God, mm. it lays the glory of man to dust and exalts Christ, the knowledge of God, the knowledge of God. He presents Jesus. He says, let not the mighty glory in the might, nor the rich in their riches, and all the wise in their wisdom. And verse 24, he said, but let him who glories, <laughs> glory in the experience that he knows me. And there are so many, there, there, there are key elements which God talks about there, and I know our preacher may expound on it when he speaks during the sermon or the sermon time. What I'm emphasizing, I don't want even to skip to the continuous statement in Mark chapter 3 and verse 14. That which we need, brothers and sisters, is an experience. And this experience, Jesus himself said in John 15 and verse number 5, I'm interested in the last statement, for without me, you can do nothing. Experience. 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 Have you been to Jesus? 
Are you cl- uh, have you been to Jesus for a cleansing flood? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? How do we do this now, brothers and sisters? This is actually the heartbeat of discipleship. Let me read a statement. Um, discipleship. On a disciple, the experience he wanted them to have, it's through learning. So they were to learn. Please think about this. The man he called was so humble. And so they were to unlearn and then learn the experience and the knowledge of God. And, and, and again, maybe some of us feel God cannot use me. Don't disqualify yourself. God does not, hasn't disqualified you. He uses the weak. As he spoke to Paul, the gospel of Christ, for when I am weak, then I am strong. The grace of God, the training grace, the school, the experience is still sufficient for you and for me. As we learned yesterday, God has called us not to be better than everyone else, but to be different from in such a manner as he designed in the Old Testament that the nations could really see and come to worship the true God whom the Israelites had. Something should be happening today, but because we haven't been to Jesus and we lack this experience. And so discipleship, I will read a statement, then I'll give around three illustrations. I want to discern that I'm almost finishing. So we can define uh, our discipleship in the manner that we are learning. Yes, we are learning, learner. And then in the basis or on the basis of relationship, whereby one of my favorite traitors says, a disciple has a dependent relationship with Jesus, an interdependent relationship with other believers, and a redemptive relationship with the world. So we relate with or to the world on the basis. Our relationship to the world has to be redemptive, not to be like them, but to lift up the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world that they may be with this hope. Samariri, one thing that hinders us from being with Christ, number one, it is hurry. One of my favorite writers says, and we shall see that in scripture, hurry, as the writer says, it's not of the devil, but the devil himself. So you find that you're in a hurry and it's live to fix one, two, three things. So it's good to be 
you know, diligent in our business, but make sure you do not forget. Um, you do not forget God. Hurry. Secondly, the crowd. The crowd. And we see that in the ministry of Christ. But Mayus, people told him, shut. You're making noise. The influence of the crowd. Either we hide in the crowd. And you know that hinders us from getting that experience. It has to be personal. And lastly, noise. What happens to Elijah as he runs away from the Jezebel? Mm. When even he prayed that he should die. So there, there are so many components which we need to learn uh, so that our God will help us to be intentional, to be deliberate in seeking him. I said, whoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast away. Today, Jesus has appointed us in this meeting that we might be with him. How does that mean? All that we are, all that we possess, and all we have belongs to him. And that is actually the knowledge which places us in his hand so that we may partake of the divine blessings which he came uh, to give. As the writer of the song said, I surrender all. It's actually God's will that we may be able to uh, have, a, as, as the psalmist also said, taste and see. Mm. Taste and see that the Lord is good. It is an experience we've been called unto brothers and sisters. Starting with me and my family and everyone else present. Amen. I'm praying that, Lord, we may have ignoring this part which is the heartbeat of discipleship, being with you. Mm. There's a principle in science which says by beholding, we become changed. And so you see Moses going to the mountain for 40 days. This golden chain of truth runs throughout scripture. So he wants to be with us. Give us the true knowledge of God. And by it, we shall be empowered boldly to witness as did the early church and the apostles of the resurrection and the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ.